0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Our meditation this morning is based on the Old Testament lesson from the prophet Isaiah chapter 2. Time marches on moving us forward into this new church year, a new Advent season. And soon the secular year of 2013 will be behind us also. But Jesus, Jesus shifts everything into reverse. He's a backwards-moving God. You see, Jesus takes the way things are And he makes them the way that they should be by turning them back into once what was. Jesus is the second Adam, the new man, who has come to make you like the first man, only better. He creates a heavenly Jerusalem for you, a Jerusalem that is like the Garden of Eden, only better. He is the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. The true Passover lamb. Only better. That is what Isaiah preaches to us from his prophetic pulpit. Isaiah's spirit-filled eye sees a mountain that is raised up so high above all the others that Everest looks like a speed bump. Every other mountain, every other hill must salute its elevation... And to that mountain, rivers of nations stream upward to its peak, a peak that scrapes the very sky. Yes, rivers of people flowing in reverse, rivers flowing uphill. Take that, Isaac Newton. Even gravity cannot put the brakes on this movement. Splishing and splashing their way skyward, the nations flow up to the peak. And upon that mountain, swords that were once forged to plow open human flesh are now hammered into the blades of farmer's plows. New weapons that cleave open the earth for the planting of seed. Weapons for food. Tools for the sustaining of life. Warriors become farmers. Spears become pruning hooks. Everything runs in reverse. Contrary to the way it did when it first degenerated in our fall into sin, Christ regenerates the world. Nothing stays the same for the creator has come in the flesh to make all things new, to recreate all things once again new for you. And so it is in this new season of Advent. Jesus comes to us. He advents in order to make all that was once dead alive again. And the world to which he comes is in dire need of his arrival. The sphere on which we dwell is, in fact, dead on his arrival. An ugly place it is, for we are an ugly race of ugly creatures... Oh, we've tried to put makeup all over it, but such vanity is truly in vain. The face of the world is pockmarked with graves, scarred with sepulchres, tattooed with tombstones. And try as we might, we cannot perfume away the stench of death that wafts through our air, oozing out of our very rottenness. Yes, even before you were born, you wiggled your little arms and you Wave goodbye to innocence. You eventually rolled over, and in that rolling over, you began careening downhill toward your doom. And soon you took your first tottering steps and staggered onward toward the edge of your waiting grave. Most hours of most of our days, we instead live in a delusional world of make believe and denial. We try to pretend that it just isn't so. And so we have Disneyland and DKR, Jerry World and Schlitterbahn, Tahiti and Taj Mahal. But they're all just temporary distractions from the reality of our impending destruction. Oh, we pretend like we act out of pure motives. And they're pure, all right, but purely self-serving. Even at their best, they are a motley mixture of the mediocre, the bad, and the worse. We pretend to have honesty, but in truth, we twist our stories. We claim credit for that which did not arise out of our own abilities and efforts. We exaggerate our innocence, and we impute false motives to others. We repeat our lies so often that even we begin to believe them ourselves. Our ears grin at the gossip gossip whispered into them about others. Our adulterous hearts have triple-X ratings. It does us no good to deny this. It would be like someone staggering down 6th Street after a long Saturday night of bar cruising and slurring loudly to anyone who will listen, Oh, I am perfectly okay. I ain't drunk. Yeah, right. Your pride and your depravity is nothing more than an attempt to make evil seem good and good seem evil. It does no good to deny this. It is only in confessing it, to say what is completely true and yet so very, very uncomfortable and scary about ourselves, that good arises. It does the good of repentance. It does the good of owning up to the death within us. And in repentance, we find in another's death our benefit. And in a still different death with which he blesses us, we find life everlasting. You find it because it is for you, the staggering dead that Jesus lived his life. Advent is his present to you. The color of it may be blue, but it's really all wrapped up in the living colors of his skin and his flesh, his bones and his blood. He comes running to us, we who cannot even begin to crawl toward him. He comes to you and he puts everything bad about you in reverse. He moves guilt to forgiveness. He erases your lies and instills his truth. He undoes your shame, and he uplifts you in joy. He even destroys your death, and he covers you with new life in his name. Yes, he is the backwards God, and he's ready, willing, and able to take you back. He is so willing and So able, in fact, that he'll take you back to a place that you've never been before. He'll put you into a state of innocence and perfection. And in fact, he's already accomplished just that. It's a done deal. A deal done for you. Isaiah prophesied, "...it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains." This, this is God's turf. This is the place where He has found this peak of peaks. It is the mountain called Zion, the city of the living true God. It is the mountain named the church. It is here that He has promised to be, and we with Him. It is here where He dwells and dispenses His gifts. It is here at the font that He both kills you and adopts you. It is here that He gives you Himself in word and in spirit, in water and bread and wine, body and blood and faith. And with all of that, He forgives, renews, and enlivens you. For when the Creator of all things is lifted up to be hanged, bleeding and dying between heaven and earth, there He also lifted up this one holy Christian and apostolic mountain too. A new and better Zion is formed from the raw materials of his suffering flesh and blood. By his living, bleeding, dying, rising, ascending, he crafted that high hill where death and sin are no more. And you are a citizen of this Zion. On this mountain is your home. Adam and Eve were booted out of paradise, but you were pulled back in by the new Adam. Lifted back up to the Eden that has now become one with Zion. Eden is Zion. Zion is Eden. And all are one in Christ Jesus. Here he is. And there you are. Near the Zion of old was the temple where God dwelt among his children. But in this new Zion, there is no temple made of wood or of stone but rather a temple of skin and blood and bones, an object of worship with punctured hands and feet, and a side sliced wide open from which another river of life flows freely. For the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. You see, our temple, our center of worship, is no longer a building, but the baby who suckles at the virgin's breasts. You have entered into that temple. You were washed into it, really, swept into it by the flood of the baptismal stream. And now all nations flow up to this mountain, as Isaiah said, for they are carried there on this river of salvation. Through the door of the font, you flowed into His flesh. And in that body of the Son of God, you were cleansed. Here is not imagination, but reality. Here is not the ugliness of our sin, but the beauty of his redemption. All of the hideous wretchedness of our sin vanishes. You are made lovely in the eyes of the Father. So gone are the lies of the devil, the world, and yourself. And here in their place is truth, the truth that God's heart is fixed upon you and that he wants you. You are no longer children of the devil, but you are his blessed child. You are the apple of his eye. Yes, it is true that in, until that last trumpet sounds, men with blood in their eyes will haunt this world. Bombs will explode and bullets will penetrate and swords will slash. Peace peace on earth from human strife? Yes, that will remain an unattainable ideal, at least by our human effort. There is peace in the world, however, but it is not the peace of the world. It is the peace of Zion. The Christmas peace on earth that is sung of by the angels is not between man and man. It is the peace come down from heaven, conceived of spirit and not of man, born of virgin, not of diplomacy. And in it, there is reconciliation between God and man. Within the dying flesh of God's only begotten Son, the conflict ceases. God's fiery wrath against you and me is doused, Put out by his holy blood. God is one with man. Those born Jew are one with those born Gentile, and all are unified together in Christ Jesus. He has shifted everything into reverse. Paradise is regained. We who lived in the lowlands of darkness and the dung hills of death, we now ascend that holy mountain to walk in the light of the Lord. Our sin is traded for righteousness. Our guilt is replaced by peace of heart. Our mortality swallowed up by immortality. And for all this, Jesus came. All this He did because He wanted you. And now, He has you. And never ever will He let you go. So welcome to the mountain of peace called Zion. The church of the firstborn of life from death. Your names are written in heaven, in the crimson, bloody ink of the Lamb. Behold, your King is coming to you, from heaven to virgin to manger, from manger to colt to cross, from cross to tomb to heaven above, and all heaven resounds with rejoicing. So, Hosanna, hallelujah, amen and amen. Come. Lord Jesus.